0: the Pooch Parenting Podcast, a podcast for parents with dogs. I'm Michelle Stern, a certified professional dog trainer, mom, and former teacher. Living with kids and dogs at the same time can feel like a circus. I know because I lived it too. Join us as we interview a variety of experts and parents to discuss topics that will make parenting with dogs easier, safer, and less chaotic. Also, you can love living with your dog again. I'll always keep it real which might even mean that you hear the messiness of life in the background on occasion, but at least you know you're not alone. I had the best time interviewing Lauren Haley for today's episode. We talk about how she prepared her dog for a new baby, what worked, what didn't work, And the super cool feature of our interview is that Lauren is an applied behavior analyst for children, and we talk about the similarities in her work with children, as in my work with dogs. And the neat thing is, is that by rewarding behavior that we want to have repeated, we get to see it over and over again. I'm sure you're going to love this episode as much as I did. Enjoy. Hi, Lauren. Thank you for agreeing to be a guest on the Pooch Parenting Podcast. Absolutely. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I love the fact that Instagram has made us friends and that doesn't happen super often for me, but I just felt so proud of you for watching you along this journey as you're bringing a new human into the world and you've got this big, wonderful pity who you just want to set your whole family up for this wonderful, safe Experience where everybody feels good to be together, and um, so it's been really nice for me to see this journey. So, before we dive in and talk about some of the things that you did to prepare your dog for the new baby, and also some of the things you wish you did, mm-hmm. um, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. Um, so, like you said, I
1: have a big, beautiful pit bull named MJ. Uh, we adopted her October seventeenth of two thousand nineteen. Um, and I, I say all the time, she was my baby before Sloan was. Yes. So Sloan is my human baby who came to us uh, August 6th of last year. Uh, so she just turned six months old. Oh. Um, so yes, I'm a dog mom and a, and a human mom. And I'm a board certified behavior analyst. So I uh, use the principles of behavior analysis, mainly in relation to school consultation, behavior
0: disabilities, developmental disabilities, that kind of stuff. So I think... Knowing this about you, I can easily recognize why you've done such a good job preparing your dog, because you're using reinforcement and praise and rewards and um, setting up the environment for success. That's what you do is your job with people. And so it seems a really natural extension that you would do the same thing with MJ.
1: Yes, absolutely. I uh, honestly, I think when the pandemic hit, the the boredom kind of got to me when I was working from home, and that's when my my interest in dog training really started to pick up more, and I, I was able to do a little bit more of it. Uh, but absolutely, I like challenging myself. So generalizing my own skill set from humans to animals with help of like amazing trainers like you on Instagram and podcasts has been such a fun journey the last year
0: or so. Yeah, I think that's amazing, and I also just want to give a shout out. To MJ the Pitbull because I um she's a remarkable dog, first of all. But second of all, I I love when we see breed ambassadors. I like mm-hmm. to think of MJ as a breed ambassador. That um I see a lot of news stories and I do talk about some of them on this podcast, mm-hmm. and people like to vilify certain breeds of dogs. And unfortunately, pit bulls become a victim of that for a variety of reasons. And they're stereotypes and they're not necessarily based on accuracy. And it doesn't help that there are entire countries with bands or states yes. or cities with breed bands. And so um, I just want to celebrate her for a second. And maybe in the show notes, can we share a photo of her later? You can send me one. Oh my God. Because she's yes. just a lovely dog and, um, and you've done a really great job as a dog mom to help her be the best dog that she can be so that she is that kind of breed ambassador. So I just wanted to diverge for a second and give a shout out because (laughs) there are people who will often ask me like, oh, well, what's the best breed of dog if you're going to have children or whatever. And I I say that there are good individuals of every breed and um, we need to go based on a dog rather than on that. So You did some work to prepare her for your new baby to come, for Sloan to be born. So what kind of stuff did you do and how soon did you start? So let me start with a little bit about a little
1: background on MJ before I get into that, because that informed the types of things I did with her. Okay. Um, So it's funny you say that you view her as a breed ambassador, because when we got her, that was my intention. I was like, I'm going to train her to be a therapy dog. This is going to be great. And then pretty quickly, I realized that we had a dog who suffered from some anxiety and exhibited that in terms of reactivity to uh-huh. strangers and, and uh, mostly strangers. Okay. Um, so that's not part of our journey yet. Maybe one day it will be. But um, I, I see her as a breed ambassador in the sense that, you know, it's funny. We both have like our, our wolf culture shirts on today. Oh, no. The other one I have, one of the other ones I have is the no breed needs a heavy hand. Yes. So now I view MJ as an ambassador to show that positive reinforcement and force-free dog training can work regardless of what the breed is. Yes, I agree. Um, So she suffers from reactivity um, and anxiety for that reason. As soon as we found out we were expecting, we set up an appointment with a a vet behaviorist at the recommendation of our dog trainer. Okay. Um, So we work with a force-free trainer uh, named Cassie. She's on Instagram at DIY Doggo. She's amazing. Um, and she recommended that we go to Penn vet behavior clinic. So that's what we did last. We
0: so lucky you have that in your backyard. So lucky, so lucky. So we went there,
1: um, MJ's right on the cusp of possibly being like a generalized anxiety dog, but she's not quite there. So we opted for, uh, for just doing like some CBD supplements, that kind of stuff. But the biggest behavior modifications thing that, uh, that Dr. Houser gave us was first the safe Haven protocol. So for MJ, people coming into our house is by far her biggest trigger, which you can imagine in uh, when there's a new baby and people want to come visit. That's yeah. all stress. So before you go on, tell us really quickly what the safe haven protocol looks like. Yeah. So it's basically being able to set up an area in your house um, and you're to, conditioning it to be a positive environment or like a safe space mm-hmm. for your dog where they know that nothing bad's going to happen there. Okay. Um, and I have an anecdote about that later, actually, because I, I screwed up on something uh, with our safe haven um, a couple months ago. Okay. So uh, there's a whole protocol with it. If you want, I'm more than happy to share the one that I have, but I it's that. just a lot of conditioning. It's making sure that we're, Setting her up for success by having her in there for short amounts of time, pairing it with like fun treat reinforcement, and then myself being able to gradually fade out. Yeah. So it's funny at this point, and, and it's taken a lot to get here. MJ is able to be loose in the house while my mom's here watching the baby. Um, my mom has gotten strict instructions as to what our management protocols are for that. Good. Uh, I, Honestly, MJ chooses to be upstairs on her own most of the time, and all my mom has to do is go up and shut the door when they plan on doing tummy time or or something like that. Um, but you'll laugh at this. You'll you'll say, "Oh my God, Lauren, why didn't you think of this?" So a few months ago, we we're in the bedroom. Our bedroom is MJ's safe haven, and the baby just happened to be crying. And I got her from a nursery. I took her into the into the um, into our bedroom, and MJ's laying on the bed. And you could see she was starting to show some signs of anxiety. She was like licking her lips and, you know, just like the early precursors. And I said to her, I was like, Emmy, I said, you can leave if you need to, babe. I said, it's okay. And my husband looked at me dead in the face and said, this is MJ's safe space, not yours. And I said, oh my God, you're right. I said, MJ, I am so sorry. I'm leaving right now. And I walked out and now that's a rule. If the baby's allowed to be in there, as long as, you know, MJ's calm. And and if she starts crying, we're out of there.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh, you brought the trigger into the safe space. I know. As, and as soon as he said it, I was
1: like, the behavior animals recognized it, but I didn't.
0: Yeah, but that's nice though. I like that yeah. you have a supportive <laughs> partner who can just point out the obvious. It it happens to all of us where we forget. Mm-hmm. You know, we all do it. All yeah. of us. Even even with Pippin, there are certain things where I'm like, "Oh no." Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So so you did set up some safe space in advance, and I like that you started early in your pregnancy so that you had plenty of time to get the ball rolling. What were some other things that you did to prepare?
1: So I would say the other biggest thing that I relied on a lot was um, Karen uh, Karen overall's relaxation protocol. Yes. So we'd already been doing that with MJ too, um, just as a skill. I fostered dogs all of the year before we got MJ, um, and that was something that one of our other trainers had, had recommended doing. Um, and it just made such a big difference. So we had already been doing that with her. Um, that became a huge foundational skill because now what we were able to do was anytime we had, um, a guest come out and we were going to have her spend a small amount of time with them or anytime we were feeding the baby when we initially came home, her relaxation mat came out. Mm -hmm. And while one person fed the baby, the other one was doing relaxation exercises with her. Um, that in and of itself, within the first week coming home, made a drastic difference. And if we didn't have the foundational skill ahead of time, I, the transition home would have been really, really hard.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I, that's some of the. I have a workshop called Your First Week Home, and we talk about many of those things it's ideal that they had taken my other class, which was preparing dog for new baby. And we talk about six different training strategies that Uh you can work on with your dog and relaxing on a mat is at the top of the list. Because if you can ask your dog to be in a certain location, it gives you so much peace of mind that when you have a blowout diaper or you're having trouble (laughs) getting a latch or feeding your baby or whatever, that you're not worried about the dog being up in your business for any of those
1: Absolutely. Um something thingy. that we something else that we did that honestly we could have done much better was uh, desensitize and counter condition her to the to the baby stuff. So mm-hmm. honestly, we would take out the swing, we would turn it on, we do a few treats, and she was totally fine. Mm-hmm. So then we just stopped there. Yeah. I wish I had continued doing that. Uh oh, just really? to, like, maintain that. But yeah, I don't know. What do you think actually? Like if, if, I, if I love your opinion on that.
0: Yeah. You know, I think it depends on the dog. I mean, if she literally just had no reaction and maintained softness and a loose wiggly body and just looked at you like, this is stupid. Why are you even showing me this? Then I probably would have stopped too, or maybe do it maybe once a week or once every couple of weeks, just to make sure, because the one thing that we often forget, and you know, this with your work with kids is that over time behavior shifts, and you hit different developmental milestones that might, um, impact your processing of learning or, or how you see the world. And there could be some reason that maybe there was some trigger in her that between the last time you tried it and the next time you tried it, that maybe she sees it differently. Um, the other, the only other thing that I would say to that is that there are some dogs that see a moving swing as like, a like a prey that's on the move, you know, that that that, makes sense. that back and forth motion can trigger yeah. either the prey drive or the herding drive in some breeds of dogs. And so, yeah. if you've got a border collie or an Aussie at home and if they're the kind of dog that wants to chase a skateboard up the street or a moving car or a bicycle or somebody jogging, then you really need to be careful with things yeah. like swings because it can get them just super triggered. Um And in which case, then what I would do is I would put an X-pen or something around the swing so Mm -hmm. that we can keep the dog at a distance at which they don't react before we move them closer. So I would have the X-pen really far Mm -hmm. from it, keep the dog on the other side, and then eventually we get the dog closer. Um, But there's no reason that a dog ever needs to be able to directly approach a swing. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you're not gonna have the dog loose while the baby's in the swing anyway, because yeah. there's no way that you could prevent something from happening. Because mm-hmm. um, that, yeah.
1: that makes me feel better, honestly, because right. even after she came, um, we, we follow uh, all your suggestions about always having an adult in between the baby and the dog and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, I was very lucky that the fact that we didn't continue to counter condition that swing didn't bite us, bite us in the butt later. Honestly, right. I was very lucky. Cause she yeah. still, she couldn't care less about it. Yeah. Um, so I, I was lucky that that wasn't the case.
0: I think that that's true for most of us. I think yeah. one thing that I'm so grateful about you being here for this conversation is that you are very willing to, admit out loud in front of whoever's hearing this, that there are things that you wish you had done differently than what you actually did, because you don't know what you don't know. And I I am so proud of anybody who is hearing this, who may benefit from it, because the fact that you're listening means that you are trying to do better and you want to set yourself up for success and that you're willing to take off those rose colored glasses and actually acknowledge the fact that, your dog is a dog with teeth and feelings and mm-hmm. you never know. And I mean, I heard just again today from somebody who said that they were right there and saw the dog bite the child, even though they were right there, they, they yeah. were watching. They said we were supervising. So there, there are some misconceptions around the idea of like, yeah what it means to supervise your dog and your baby. And being in the same room is not adequate. And like what you were just saying, we we all do get lucky sometimes. Yeah. Um, I, God knows when I think back to what I did with my kids and dog at the time, I was incredibly lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk, since we're being honest here, talk to me about something that you maybe wish you had done differently.
1: Oh my goodness, so many things. Um, <laughs> So I learned very quickly that playing baby sounds for MJ is not the same thing as having a baby in the house. Of the <laughs> <friend>. <laughs> I learned that within the first like five minutes at home. Yes. Um, so one, I wish I had realized that because had I known that I would have uh, prepared for it a little bit differently when it actually happened. Like I would have had her mad out. I would have had more separation initially. Okay. Um, I really, initially, I only separated MJ from the rest of us, from myself, my husband, and the baby when I was feeling overwhelmed Mm -hmm. without recognizing that, you know what, MJ probably needs me to proactively separate her sometimes.
0: Um, Uh, Yes, that's a really interesting point. Let's just stop there for a second. Yeah. I think that a lot of management is done when we feel like we have to multitask. I have Mm -hmm. to eat. I have to make dinner. I have to I have to veg out and watch Netflix for five minutes or whatever it is. And we're not realizing that the dog is experiencing a whole bunch of feelings Mm -hmm. at the same time. So while we are getting overwhelmed, there is a very good chance that your dog is also getting overwhelmed. And by being like preemptive, you may be able to give like I'm just assuming that if she went up to her safe haven up in your bedroom and took a little break, that she could come back down feeling way more decompressed maybe yes. than had she been amping up before you realized I need a break, go on, go behind the gate.
1: Absolutely. And she is, she is such a, a cool dog in that she chooses to go to her safe space all the time. She loves being upstairs in our bedroom, laying on the bed. That's um, good. So I'm, I'm very lucky that that's who she is as a dog and that she picked up on that very quickly because she would separate herself. Um, but I should have been able to do that for her in the big, in the beginning.
0: And not all dogs do separate themselves. Yeah. I'm reading this amazing book right now um, by these two behavior specialists. And they talk about um, teaching all dogs this thing they call flight behavior. And I haven't gotten far enough in the book to, I know. What book are you reading? Are we reading the same book right now? Are you reading Canine Enrichment? In the- I am yeah,
1: reading Canine Enrichment. I highlighted the whole flight check- oh the whole section. Oh
0: my gosh, <laughs> I, I'm not there yet, but I have a pink highlighter and yeah. I'm dog earing pages. And it's an amazing book. It's called yeah. Enrichment for the real world. I highly recommend it. And I will put a link in the show notes. Um, But they teach this concept called flight behavior, which is essentially kind of like your safe haven situation. Mm -hmm. But they're teaching the dog to leave when they feel uncomfortable. Now, I get calls from people and they say, well, I don't have to separate my dog and baby because if my dog was uncomfortable, my dog would leave. But that's not necessarily the case. And Mm -hmm. so if a dog hasn't learned, that it can, and that it is rewarding to do so, then they may not choose to do it because here's the situation is they're in conflict. So imagine you're on the floor with your baby and the baby starts throwing toys all over the place, willy nilly hitting the dog with the toys. Like, you know how kids have no motor control, right? So Mm -hmm. the dog is really uncomfortable, but the dog wants to be near mom and the dog puts up with the baby, puts up with the screaming, puts up with the throwing, puts up with all the other things and doesn't leave.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So there is a bit of a misconception there that a lot of people have. And I'm so glad that we talked about the safe haven and that MJ is a rock star that she does mm-hmm. choose to leave. And that is a skill that can be taught. Yeah. Um, but you should not just make the assumption that the dog knows it just yeah. naturally, that the dog is going to make themselves more comfortable Because they may find you more valuable than leaving and going to a safe space. Yeah.
1: And not only that, and MJ is a great example, but I can give a human example too. Just because she knows that she can flee if she needs to, doesn't mean that she's going to do it every time in response to every trigger. So for example, with the baby, if the baby's crying, at this point she'll go upstairs, she'll remove herself. If a new person walks into my house, she will not flee. She will fight. That is what her response will be. And I think about it, if I was walking on the street and I saw, you know, a large, scary person walking towards me. If they're just walking towards me, I might cross the street, go in the other direction. If they're running towards me and I know I can't outrun them and they're coming fast and the trigger is intense, I might prepare myself to fight. Mm-hmm. So just because she can do it doesn't mean that I can expect her to do it in every situation.
0: Right. And that's again, the reminder, the dog has teeth. The dog will use their teeth if they feel compelled to do so. Even the best dog in the universe, your precious, beloved first baby dog, which is how we all see them. I mean, I don't want you guys thinking that I think your dogs are horrible. I think you probably have one of the best dogs ever, right? Everybody Mm -hmm. does. We love our dogs and that's why we have them. But they all are capable of expressing themselves yeah. if they if they feel pushed to do so, right? Yeah. And sometimes the problem is we just don't know how to prevent that from escalating before it mm-hmm. escalates.
1: Yeah, I just read, um, and I've posted about it a few times on Instagram. I just read, uh, "Please don't bite the baby, and please don't the climb on the book." Yes. Love it, love it. I recommend it, it to everybody. And, oh, it's so good. And Lisa Edwards said something in it that resonated with me so much. She said the swimming
0: she, pool, right? The swimming pool, the swimming pool one. Yay. The supervise
1: your dog like a swimming pool. Yes. And also, she said she was so thankful that she had a reactive dogs because <laughs> it never gave her the illusion that her dogs would be okay with a baby. I love that,
0: that book. Yeah, she um. So just, just for the listeners to hear it again, it's called Please Don't Bite the Baby and Please Don't Chase the Dog by Lisa J. Edwards. Um, I will link to it in the show notes. It is hands down the first book that I recommend to anyone. Um, it's It's clearly written. It's by a mom who's going through the process of adopting a child, and she has a dog with a bite history. So she... She, she's not blind, you know, Mm -hmm. she was nervous and she should have been. And she talks about all of the thought processes and the worries and the feeling of guilt and what's going to happen if I eventually have play dates, how am I going to keep everybody safe and not be a legal liability Mm -hmm. to the world just by having these dogs and children in the same space. And she so thoughtfully lays out strategies for parents that are totally doable I, you know, you were talking and (laughs) you were talking about the relaxation protocol from Karen Overall. And I almost feel like that's the opposite of this book that, yeah, it is a really good step by step by step. This is how you get your dog to relax, but it's incredibly intimidating. It is to me at least. And, and I share it sometimes and I'm trying to modify it a little bit to actually make it. Longer and have fewer steps each day because Mm -hmm. I think that when parents see twenty steps that you have to do these twenty steps today, I think their eyes glows over and they. Delete the document and they pretend they never saw it, no. and they just put their head down and say, "God, there's no way, there's no way, even though it turns out that some of those steps literally take three seconds, yeah. it is so overwhelming unless you literally just take it step by step, right and how do you how did you, like, how did you just, navigate that? Honestly, you have to know your
1: audience, so for me with my background, when they gave that to me, I was like, Oh my God, this is incredible. Look at this task analysis, look at how how amazing <laughs> this is broken down so for me I like totally nerded out when I saw in all honesty yes. which is what I do with most most dog training things yeah um, but I totally agree with you I think you need to know your audience and also what I learned how to do eventually for MJ was how to modify it to make it specific to her triggers yes. as opposed to just being not random but more right. being more generalized I guess mm-hmm. um so honestly, I think just because of my background, I wasn't intimidated by it. Right. But I completely agree with you that for someone who does not nerd out over like task analyses, that yes, yeah. it's very
0: intimidating. It's intimidating just because it's long, but it yeah. is so brilliant. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying it's not good because I think it's remarkable. Mm-hmm. And I wish that I had the skills to break down um, learning theory that way, the way yeah. that she does, where she breaks it into absolutely manageable steps. And mm-hmm. the cool thing about it is that when you hit a step that your dog struggles with, All you have to do is go back to the beginning of that day's tasks or go back a few steps and get to where your dog is successful again. So it's really great. It takes all the guesswork out of the teaching process, which I think is what any good teacher needs to be. The only thing that I don't love about it is that it just looks daunting, but It it does work. It really does work. The thing about the book, Don't Bite the Baby, that I love, though, is that it's, The bits are manageable. They're digestible. Mm -hmm. She's using language that that common people who are not trained in applied applied behavior analysis can absolutely understand. I made a meme uh, with a quote Lisa J. Edwards on it that literally said "Supervise as if your dog were a swimming pool." Because I (laughs) mean, genius. Because here's the thing: Are you ever gonna just let your baby into the backyard? when there's an open swimming pool without a gate or a, a special cover on it. Heck no, there's no way. Right. For that exact same reason, you should never just mm-hmm. leave the room or even just go drain your boiling spaghetti water. Yeah. Turn your back on the fact that you yeah. is in the same room as the swimming pool. right? Yeah. And
1: like you said, like you said earlier, there's no, sh- especially when you've got a million things going on in your mind. Like as a parent, I make mistakes as a human being, I make mistakes. So, just last month or the month before, I wasn't even thinking MJ was upstairs. The baby was downstairs. I went outside to get the mail. And all of a sudden I realized the door to the bedroom is not shut. Mm. MJ yeah. could easily go downstairs with the baby. And I literally ran back in the house and I said out loud, my daughter's name is Sloan. I said out loud, Sloan, I am so sorry, mommy made a mistake. Yeah, I will never do that again. Yeah. And it was, it's important to be able to recognize that You don't need to be perfect, but like you said, you need to apply the information that you have and keep seeking out more information to make sure that your family members stay safe.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you said that because I think it would be so easy. They were not in the same room for you to even Mm -hmm. remember the fact that a door was open in a completely different part of the house is remarkable. Um, I think that that would just completely be missed by most people. It would probably be missed by me because I would just think I'm only going to be gone a second. And then there's a good chance. Like, what if you see your neighbor you haven't seen in a while and they just had a baby and you're catching up before you realize you've been gone for several minutes and then you're like, oh boy, you know? And so I do think it's, it's better to be safe than sorry, but it is so easy to forget. Yes. And you have to give yourself permission to move past that and just try to do better the next time. Right. Yeah. In different layers of separation or anything. else. Yeah. So what advice, um, would you give an a parent? let's say they find out that they're expecting, they've got a dog, they're under no illusions that their dog is perfect and they want to do some work to prepare in advance. What would you suggest doing?
1: Uh, so the things that I did, um, I found people like you, honestly, on social media to follow mm-hmm. <laughs> that way. I could, I could find some of those resources. Um, again, for the level of anxiety MJ had the vet behaviorist was, was the way to go in general. though, get a professional involved in whatever, in whatever way you need to. Um, cause they're just going to see things through a different lens than, than what we, than what I would see something through. Right. Um, honestly the biggest piece of advice that I would give a new parent, not necessarily preparing for the baby to come, but when the baby comes, is figure out a way to fit training, whatever your training goals are, uh, figure out a way to fit them in throughout the day that is not overwhelming to you. So like for me, I laugh all the time. I should not admit this because Lisa Edwards says not to do this. My basic obedience cues, other than a down stay and a settle went or a come went out the window when the baby came because all I wanted to focus on was introductions with new with people when they came over, safe haven protocols, and not eating the baby, in all honesty. <laughs> like, I just need you to, like, chill out for a while and relax and be comfortable in your setting here. Um, mm-hmm. So what I did was at different points in the day, I had different training goals. So the first maybe month that Sloan was home, every single time I nursed the baby, I had, look, I'm, I'm, I'm in my office right now. I've got treats and clickers in my office. I every single so. time I nursed the baby, I reinforced MJ for a down-settle position. Um, every time I'm doing tummy time, I reinforce MJ for staying on her, on her place. Um, and it's a quick, every time this happens, I do this training and that in and of itself maybe takes a total of 10 minutes a day. It's already part of what I'm doing and it's made a huge, huge difference. Um, so not letting that training go out the window as I feel like what has helped me most in getting
0: them used to one another. That, that premise is crucial to both your work with humans and our work with dogs, which is that we want to reward behavior. We want repeated. Yes. You know, it bears repeating, right. Reward what we want repeated. It works. It really does. You know? Um,
1: And if it doesn't work, it means it's not reinforcing, right. By definition, reinforcement works.
0: Yes. I like that you said that because sometimes humans think that, they give their dog something that's reinforcing or valuable, but if the dog doesn't like it, then it's not actually reinforcing, right? Can you just describe that for me a little bit? Because you can explain it in human terms as well, right? I can explain it for dogs. Can you explain it for people? Just different perspective?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, here's a great example. I have a student in a classroom right now who loves going to the computer lab to earn to print things out. Okay. Um, Obviously that takes a little bit of time. So his teacher said to me, well, I really want him to stay in the classroom and earn sand instead. And I said, well, that's great. I said, does he enjoy sand? Well, you know, he'll only play with it once in a while. And I said to her, and again, I stole this from a force-free dog trainer, the exact quote. I forget who it was right now. I want to say maybe it was Jenny from Dog Minded. But I said to her, the student chooses what's reinforcing, not the person. You can want him to want sand all you want. He's not going to work for it. I can want to work for Brussels sprouts all I want. (laughs) Don't want to work for Brussels sprouts. I'd rather work for pizza. You know, it's just the reality. Um, So that in and of itself, knowing what reinforces your dog is important. In terms of MJ loose leash walking, when we first go outside, I don't care what food I have. It is not a high enough value reinforcer to beat these new smells. So I forget. I forget which trainer I heard it from. I started using speed as a reinforcer. Oh, so if she was walking on a loose leash, we would jog. If it was taught, I would just slow down. We keep going, but I would slow down. Uh-huh. I cannot tell you how much her behavior improved once I figured out what was re- reinforcing for her. Because she wants to keep going. Yep. She couldn't care less that I have boiled chicken or beef jerky, whatever I have. She just wants to keep going.
0: That's, I'm really glad you said that because I, I was trying to teach Pippin um, an emergency recall queue mm-hmm. that was unique just for emergencies that I wasn't going to use just to call him to come to me in the house or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm a vegetarian, so I don't cook chicken or anything in the house. Um, and I buy really nice things for the dogs, but I decided to buy some chicken, cook it up, and maybe I would try and see if chicken would work mm-hmm. as the queue. And he, um, we tried it in the house. He was interested. Yeah. So then I took it outside, and he he literally spit it out. <laughs> like literally, it was hilarious. And I'm like, okay, obviously <laughs> this chicken is not good enough. He should be, yeah. you know, knocking himself over to get to me for whatever yeah. it is that is the treat. He spit it out. So back to the drawing board, right? But that's a very good example of the fact that I could reward him what, with what I think is valuable. But yeah. if he disagrees, then it's not going to motivate him at all.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And MJ is not um read another book. I forget who the trainer was now, but it's called when B- when pigs fly. Oh, yeah. When pigs fly.
0: Yeah. So I'm watching of course some videos by her right now. Um she's the creator of puppy culture. And oh, okay. Puppy culture is um an incredible Protocol for breeders or anyone who has litters of puppies to expose them to things in the world to make them resilient in their life. And she is amazing. Um, And so she and she breeds um, bull terriers. And so that's why she calls it when pigs fly because they look like little piggies. Yeah. Um, She's amazing. Yeah. But it's
1: so funny. They, she describes in that book, how, um, some doll some breeds are more like biddable than others. Okay. So they're more likely to do your bidding. MJ does. <laughs> I laugh. She's the best. I love her. She's a free thinker. She's a good <laughs> problem solver. She does not want to listen just to make me happy. <laughs> it's in that way she can go back to doing what she wants to do. And once I started embracing that, and I just said it to one of my Um, staff members this week. I observed her working with a learner. I was giving some feedback. And one of the pieces of feedback I gave was, as I see you working with this child, it seems more like you want to control their behavior as opposed to make sure their needs are met. And in reality, if we're meeting their needs, there won't be any negative behaviors to control. We need to make sure those needs are met first. Um, And that's what MJ is like. I am not going to control her behavior. But if I meet her needs, which sometimes I do better than others, if I meet her needs, then she is going to be a more, you know, bittable
0: dog as much as MJ can be. <laughs> I think you pretty much just said in a nutshell, the entire existence of having a nice pet dog. Mm-hmm. Because I see a lot of people trying to control behavior, Yeah, you know, and that's something that this book that you and I are reading um, canine enrichment. I am, as we are talking, I am making notes of all the links Um, I'm going to include in the show notes because, um, there are so many good things that we've talked about, um, but, but that's really what they talk about a lot of is how do we enhance the natural behaviors, which then help the dog feel balanced in its life? Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. Oh my God. And I'm sorry, Michelle, real fast. Another piece of advice. If a parent has a dog that barks, I don't know how you feel about this. I know how I feel about it. When I first, when we first brought Sloan home and she would sleep and MJ would bark, I would let her bark. And honestly, it was the best thing I could have ever done because that baby sleeps through anything now.
0: It's so funny you said that right now because this morning I interviewed a sleep expert and we talked about how to help your children sleep through disruptive things like dogs barking. There you go. And she agrees with you. You agree with her, which is that we need to not protect our babies and our Mm -hmm. children from the normal sounds of daily life. Um, Granted, it's, we need to understand why the dog is barking. And sometimes we can encourage an alternate behavior, Mm -hmm. but if we make a really big deal out of it, then it kind of makes a big deal out of it for our kids. And then maybe they want to wake up to see what the big deal is and they don't want to settle and go back to sleep. So the fact that you acknowledge that is, is great because, I do think that that a dog sometimes barks to tell us something and we can say, hey, thanks for that and not freak out and worry about it. And that our kids can learn that that's part of our daily life. And honestly, babies in utero hear your dog barking anyway. So this isn't a foreign sound um, anyway. So just allowing it to continue. Parents really do struggle when they turn the house into like a silent little tomb when the kid sleeps. That's doing yourself definitely a disservice. So on that note, that is, I think, a good place for us to end. I know with a thousand percent certainty that we will be talking again and maybe even collaborating on um, some kind of a project to help families with um, difficult children using some of these same principles, especially when they have some challenging behaviors around their dog. Um, Because we're both coming from um, a behavior and education background, which I think is so awesome.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm so
0: excited for that. I know. I can't wait. I could talk to you all day long. Do you have any last-minute gems to close us out, and then we will tune out? I don't think so. Honestly, I think I might. I think I might have used all my gems up. Uh, I doubt it.
1: But uh, but no. I mean, this was great. Thank you so much for having me. I cannot wait for the next time we talk.
0: Yeah, me neither. I'm super excited. And don't forget to send me a picture of sweet MJ because she's going oh, on the website Along, Absolutely. <laughs> okay, good. All right. Thank you, Lauren. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Okay. Bye. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Pooch Parenting podcast on iTunes or on the podcast app of your choice. If you're looking for ongoing support for your family with dogs, be sure to get on the waiting list for my Thriving Parents with Kids and Dogs membership at www.safekidsanddogs.com. And don't forget to follow Pooch Parenting on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening.